0: listening to the mini market podcast presented by tell em sports do you feel it in the air spring training it's here welcome back the mini market podcast i'm dalton here with isaiah lucas and connor episode eight spring training is upon us how are we doing guys
1: we're back
2: always happy to be here with you guys
0: truly really just a delight
1: an absolute delight. It feels like spring right now, honestly, with uh, the cold weather we've had in Minnesota, and now we're back up into the 30s. It is balmy T-shirt weather,
2: people. Nice 27 and overcast today. <laughs> it's nothing better.
3: New segment alert: Weather with the boys.
1: weather <laughs>
3: but that is pretty nice to get a 50 degree swing and still not crack uh freezing i mean that's that's as yeah. minnesotan as it gets
1: bingo
0: not a lot of news coming out of spring training so far what i think Jay hap tested positive for covid and that's about the biggest news we've had
1: I think that uh, we all knew somebody was going to test positive for something during uh, during the spring training, and I think most money was on Pineda being positive for HGH again for like the 15th time. But turns out it's uh, COVID, so hopefully he's doing well.
2: Who'd have thought?
1: The, uh, ha- Jay Happ's doing well, and uh, he gets back, and uh, we have a solidified uh, starting five still.
3: So is the COVID, testing positive for COVID, is it the same sort of, uh, are you treated the same way as you are for HGH? Is it kind of like one time you get a short suspension, then it's a half season, then lifetime ban after that? Like, Because I know now you can get it twice. Is, should Jay be worried?
1: It's going to tarnish his legacy and his Hall of Fame chances. Whew. Out the window. There they go.
3: I was going to say another big piece of news coming out was apparently Donaldson... Is uh, grown out a like Mohawk mullet, um, yeah, really. Connor's back to his Toronto yeah, days. That's, that's big, right? Does every Love good that. team need a weird guy, like a really weird guy? Is that like a good sign? Have it, to it have one. It makes me think of um the Giants for all those years. Hunter Pence, just one oh, of the weirdest God. dudes out there. Uh,
1: I hate Hunter Pence. Just the weirdest. He's he just looks like he's like the epitome of like what I would not want a baseball player to like do look like all of it like he's just such a gomer but yeah I feel like he he's like the 1940s baseball player he looks like like he just he's not really great at anything he's just okay at everything and that's good enough
2: I was gonna say he's like the guy in MLB the show that you make but you give him like as you make him look as weird as possible you know he's He's got his pants rolled up above his knees. He's got the one batting glove. He's got the weirdest stance you can possibly think of. He's just lanky. He's a weird guy.
3: He's a winner is what he is. So I don't want to really hear anything else about the guy. That's true. You got. (laughs) No, but the pants above the knee, is it's an all-time middle school. Like, not even middle school. It's like you're nine years old. You got your first pair of baseball pants, and they don't go, like, they barely get below your knee. So you got to pull them up and you have to get it above your knee to make it look like they're longer. It's a vibe.
1: I was thinking it's the, it's like the kid who's on a budget and like, those are the same pants he wore as a nine-year-old. And now he's trying to squeeze into them in 14 year old travel ball. And so like the only option it only it's like full length pants. They just go down to the top of the knee.
3: Do you think when he was at the team tailors, the guy made him like repeat his request like seven times, like, Okay, Hunter, are you sure if I, if, I, if I hem these this high, you're not going to be able to get them below your knee? And I just, I just want to be 100% sure that that's exactly what you want. And he's like, yeah, I told you I want them hemmed, hem them up. And he's like, well, okay, but Hunter, I really want to be 100% clear that if I do this, it's not my fault if they're too short.
1: Yeah, it's like the goal suit or the gold dress where like a woman goes one size down for her wedding dress. Like as an I need some motivation. That's basically what he does, but he's never going to shrink into those pants. So.
2: <laughs> oh, That's a good one.
3: You can cut out all the carbs you want, Hunter. You're not getting any
0: shorter.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's like,
1: I don't know. keto's. It's pretty serious. Uh, it can really transform your body.
0: Also not Twins related, but have you guys been tracking the Noah Syndergaard, Trevor Bauer Twitter beef? Syndergaard, the uh, the Mets ace, he's taken, uh, he's, he's a little upset with Bauer for his big show and dance for his free agent signing. And it was leaked that he was going to the Mets, but then he ended up signing with the Dodgers. So Syndergaard's been sort of going after Bauer on Twitter and then Bauer was coming back at him with some. Some screenshots of Syndergaard. Just keep digging. uh, Sort of calling out fans. Yeah, just
3: keep digging.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely Team Bauer. I think baseball, I think Trevor Bauer is really, like, smart in what he's doing. Like, he wants to be the villain of baseball. Like, I think he realizes that, like, when there's controversy in sports, that it's more popular. So, like, he's all about it. Like, he, he uses Twitter all the time to just go after random people or, like, basically invite people to go after him by like tweeting stuff out about like his short season Cy Young. Then I think he wore a t-shirt to training camp. That was something about like, you know, still a Cy Young or something like that. Like he just wants to ruffle feathers and I love it. I think it's a great, great way to just embrace the role of being the villain, like be the, you know, the Christian Leitner from the, from the Duke basketball days. Yeah, dude.
3: I'm totally with you. He's like taking a uh, page out of WWE's playbook and he's just playing the part of the heel and he's doing it really well. I was just watching that episode of it's always sunny where uh, they do the wrestling match and Frank's the trash man. And everyone (laughs) loves a good heel. They, they keep it going and it keeps you engaged. And I mean, baseball should love this right now because it's, it's off season, but it's perfectly timed where like, they're starting to get like, Hey, baseball's back. Like, start thinking about baseball and this is a great way to get people engaged again.
0: I've got a good behind the scenes Trevor Bauer story. So I've got a friend who uh, works for the firm that handles MLB's public relations side of things and when they did the postseason bubble last year each player was given one room inside the bubble for like a girlfriend or for your wife and kids or whatever and Trevor Bauer requested Two rooms for two separate girlfriends. I'm interested. And he asked the rooms to be kept far apart from each other in the bubble. <laughs> and so they told him, "Not nah, you got to pick one, Trevor." Awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like the that is hilarious. In a, in a little different sense, that's kind of the uh, you know favorite kid thing. He's like, I just couldn't decide which one I like better, so I'd like two rooms.
3: I just love them both so much. <laughs> Uh, Actually, one other um, spring training related thing, Dalton, you put out a tweet this week that I think could land you in the preposterous statement of the year category because it was absolutely ludicrous. You said that you you think that, oh, I couldn't believe it. You said that pitchers and catchers reporting is a better day than opening day. And I need you to flesh that thought out because that is insane
2: to me.
0: I said the first day of spring training is a thousand percent more exciting than opening day. And I will stand on that hill and plant my flag.
2: No, you would rather just see some guys show up for the first time in months to just play catch rather than seeing opening day, the fans rolling into the stadium. You can smell the dome dogs cooking, even though it's not in the dome anymore. R.I.P. And fans are
1: no
3: longer. You got
2: all the beer guys. Wally the peanut man is out there. Come on, Dalton. You
1: are...
3: Full of it. You say Wally the Peanut Man?
2: I got worked up.
1: Sorry. (laughs) Um, the one thing that I will give Dalt to defend is the fact that spring training is exciting for every fan base. Where I don't think Opening Day is exciting for every fan base. Like I don't think the Detroit Tigers are like super pumped for Opening Day this year. (laughs) But when with with reporting to spring training, not just pitchers and catchers, but the whole team that's like an exciting time because you get, you know, all your prospects are kind of coming together and they start to like, you know, learn personalities of newer players. Like the Tigers obviously being so bad the last couple of years, have a ton of young guys that are top notch prospects. So that's the one defense. I, I won't say I'm falling in line with Dalts take, but I will give him that, that I would say reporting to spring training might be more exciting on a franchise to franchise basis for everyone, because it's like baseball's coming Opening day is is maybe similar where it's like, hey, baseball's here, but it's like we're about to lose 110 games, so this sucks. Hey, but
3: we're all 0-0, day one. Everybody's 0-0, clean sheet. First place. Yeah. Um, I also love the day game aspect of opening. It's kind of got that March Madness feel yes. to me where, like, if I'm working and it's opening day, I'm not working. I'm just watching. I'm streaming games. It doesn't matter who's playing. I'm going to watch. Uh. You love the energy from Tim Kirkjian. Like, he is giddy opening day and like just listening (laughs) getting to listen to him just chatter about baseball again is just incredible uh you get the yeah and Lou said it like that idea of just being outside having a couple brews and some smoked meats like hard to beat you don't get that in the middle of March though that doesn't happen
0: but here's the thing about opening day as a minnesota sports fan you're not sitting outside in the warm weather eating some smoked meats and drinking beer it's 41 degrees at target field you're frigid everyone's got their masks on you're cold you're not enjoying the game you're happy that baseball's back but you're freezing or opening day they're playing on the road and who cares if they're in toronto or new york or something that's not exciting Spring training. It's warm. It's been cold. We're all inside freezing all winter long. You're getting these pictures of warm weather, palm trees, guys in t-shirts playing some catch. It's Royce Lewis and Josh Donaldson in the cage together. You're seeing Kenta Maeda throw bullpens. It's exciting. The season's ahead of you. It gets me pumped up. (laughs)
3: Wow. That energy is palpable. Uh, last thing on, on opening day is I will say this, no stadiums given out free hot dogs and, and donuts, uh, in the morning of opening day of spring training, it's an opening day thing. So you drive down to the stadium, you get a free newspaper, you get a free Krispy Kreme and a free dome dog or whatever hot dog of your choice. I mean, come on, that's a great breakfast. That's how you start a really quality day. Fair enough. But I do love that. I do love the imagery of like, you're right. That's sunny. Like that feeling is undefeated. And you're seeing guys out there in shorts again. It's like, well, oh, it's right around the corner. Like our spring wait. is right around the yep. corner. It's that feeling. So I can get, I can get down with that.
0: And I'm not saying opening day is not exciting. I just think spring training is a dawn to level. ten ten thousand 10,000 feet higher. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> transitioning away from spring training. I've got a a Vikings question for you guys. So there's been some QB movement around the league in the last couple weeks, and we haven't really touched on it because it hasn't involved the Vikings. But we saw Matthew Stafford get traded to the LA Rams. And then a report came out a few days later that the Carolina Panthers had offered Teddy Bridgewater their eighth overall pick this year, and then like a mid-round pick, fourth or fifth rounder next year for Matt Stafford. And now I would imagine... The Vikings could get something similar for Kirk Cousins. So my question to you is, would you say yes or no if the Panthers gave that same offer for Kirk Cousins? So eighth overall pick, Teddy, and then a mid-round pick next year. Because I think we can all agree that Kirk is better than Teddy, but Kirk's going to make like $40 million the next two years. Teddy's making seventeen. So huge drop in the cap, frees up a lot of money to do other things with the offense. So curious to get your guys thoughts on that
3: my first question is where where do the Carolina Panthers think their organized organization is at where they're a quarterback away like that team is not that good and it's very funny to think that they're like yes a 32 year old quarterback just off a back surgery is exactly what this team needs and we're willing to sacrifice our eighth pick for it um so that that's kind of funny to me but I I here's the thing I think I've, like I said last week, I've come around to Connor's thinking where Kirk is not that bad, and it's not his fault. Whoop. Victim of his circumstances, it's his offensive line. Gives him absolutely no time to operate. He, you, he shows that when he does have a clean pocket, he's pretty solid. He's got big playability. So I do, I, for that reason, I think that it's more important to have a better offensive line than a, like a marginally better quarterback. Um, so I would I would say yes to the trade use the money to sign some guys on the offensive line, like bolster that up because Teddy can do, I think he can do fine in a clean pocket and then you get the eighth pick. And um, I don't know exactly what's there around eight, but it's always good to have more first round picks. Like it's never going to be bad for a football team.
1: Yeah. Here's a a couple of the Mac or mock drafts I looked at um a guy that they have Carolina taking is Trey Lance North Dakota State uh, actually a Minnesota guy from Marshall and uh he had a really good college career but like I don't know I feel like I don't think the Vikings would go that direction but they definitely could I mean if you're getting Teddy and then initially just bringing a backup right away and Teddy could play for a couple of years and then Trey Lance would be here, but I think trading for Treddy or Teddy is like kind of a setback slightly. Where it seems like we're trying to gather picks and like build for the future a little bit more than maybe like win now. Um, I think Kirk gives us the best chance to win now if they can move some things around and get some offensive linemen. But getting a draft pick would be really nice in the way of bolstering the defense a little bit. Like I think we all saw that last year that we need definitely line help we could use another corner we could use a free safety to replace harris maybe a linebacker so there's a lot that we could do with that eighth pick on the defensive side but i just i don't think i don't think the vikings will do it so i'm gonna say i don't i don't think they should trust in the front office
2: i uh i have a very similar take to ike i think i would take that pretty pretty quickly um just same reason i the big reason for me actually is is the money aspect because kirk is going to be making so much money we've talked about how much cap space is an is an extreme issue with the vikings and so if there's no cap space we can't make the line better we can't make the defense better plus we get that pick and you know spielman loves to have those (laughs) those late mid round picks as well he could just he would just add that one to the playbook. He would just say, like, well, we could just take a shot. We have 16 of these picks again in the next three years. So
0: Fourth rounder, you could turn that into five or six sevenths.
2: I was
1: just going to say there's yeah. a thousand percent chance that we get a seventh round pick if this trade goes through
2: as well. Also, one last thing with the Stafford. I am very happy that he is no longer in Detroit, and we actually have Jared Goff to play twice a year. Big fan of that. Little California boy going up to Detroit. I know it's a I know it's an indoor stadium, but it's gonna be fun to see. Yeah,
0: Zim's gotta be licking his chops.
2: I gotta think
1: if you're a Detroit fan, you you gotta feel a bit like a Timberwolves fan in Minnesota. Like there just feels like there's no direction in there. Like where is this team going? What what are we trying to build around? Like, that's not so much a question for the T Wolves because we got Cat, but I mean it's just like what what is this team? How are we gonna win games with this with this team with Jared Goff instead of instead of Matthew Stafford? And yeah, they have they just have holes all over the place. So if you're the Detroit Lions, you gotta be kind of like hopefully we really hit on those draft picks we got, because this team is brutal.
3: Am I the only one who's nervous about Jared Goff being in the division because uh, last time we played uh, the Rams, I believe it was what it was it, 2018, uh, I, he absolutely went off against the Vikes, against Zim. So, and I, I credit that 100% to Jared Goff. There were no other factors that led to his success. I think he's just a gamer. He understands Zim's defense, he knows how to break it down. So I'm a little bit nervous. I'll just say that.
0: Should we move on to over unders?
3: Oh, I got one, one thing. Um, did anybody see any of that stuff from Lake Tahoe uh, yesterday in the NHL? I know they mm-hmm. got uh, unfortunately kind of had to postpone because of the sun kind of melting the ice a little bit. Um, but if you saw any of the pictures or any of the videos, it was absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, like, incredible yeah. to watch. Um, I think like even though they didn't get to play the games, I would personally prefer watching that to any of the outdoor stadium series that the NHL has done before. Like, I think that from a viewer, fan viewer's perspective was so much better than watching them try to do the same thing in a stadium where you don't get any of the cool views. Like, being right on the lake and right on the mountains, like, they should they should make that, like, a. wouldn't you love to see that in, like, the North Shore or something like that? Like, Minnesota, like, playing just a, a bruiser of an outdoor game up on Superior? I think that would be incredible to watch
1: yeah it was it was a gorgeous backdrop and setting and stuff and it was unfortunate the way it played out like having to start the game at 12 eastern time was their reset time and finish up at what 2 a.m that's just brutal but uh but other than the fact that the ice sucked um yeah it was it was a super super gorgeous backdrop really cool spot to play you know, they did a lot of pieces on the on the Lake Tahoe area, especially during that long second what five hour second intermission break or first intermission break. So, yeah, it was really cool, uh, fun to see the alternative jerseys. I really have come to like that about the NHL, that they're willing to just like let the teams go wild with their jerseys on things like this. It's kind of fun to see. So, yeah, it was awesome. Awesome setting. Lake Tahoe's sweet. I've never been there, but I'd love to. We'll have to take a corporate retreat here out, out there someday.
0: All right. Let's move on to everyone's favorite segment, some over-unders. So we've got some prop style over-unders. We'll get our answers, our reasons why. Here we go. So first over-under today, the number of games left for Ryan Saunders as the Timberwolves head coach. The over-under is set at 25 and a half. Isaiah start us off.
3: We interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you this news bulletin. Following a 103-99 loss to the New York Knicks, the Timberwolves have fired head coach Ryan Saunders. Saunders finishes his tenure with the Timberwolves, with a 43-94 and 94 overall record in three seasons as head coach. This podcast was recorded early in the morning of February 21st, long before Saunders' firing, and the answers to this over-under were left untouched for you, the listeners' entertainment. I'm a Ryan Saunders defender, so I'm I'm clearly taking the over. I think uh, my main reason, above anything else, is that uh, Glenn Taylor's a loyal loyalty guy. He's a big loyalty guy, and I think that Ryan seems like a very personable person, and I think he's done a really great job of like fostering really good relationships within the organization and between the team and between upper management, which was something that was severely lacking uh, in Thibodeau's era. So I think that Glenn Taylor, like I he, he appreciates that right now. And I think that, um, that's going to at least get Saunders through the end of the season. I think if you also, if you're Glenn Taylor and you're making your decisions based on like a bunch of Twitter, like people coming at your head coach, like you're probably not, uh, thinking in the right way. And, and if you change a coach mid season, like you're not going to get anything from it. Like this team's not going to turn itself around miraculously. if We have a good coach. Like even if pop was our coach, they're not all of a sudden going to be a great team. Um, and I think that he's done well in terms of development. I think he's had player development. Um, you've seen some guys do, I think like Nas Reed's a perfect example of a guy who's outperformed. And I, you got to credit some of that to a guy like Ryan Saunders as his coach for the last two years. And, and the final point is, I know it's, it's as old as anything that you've heard ever, but he still has not had his best two players play together. And you can't, like, how can you accurately assess a guy until he's had his best unit together
1: yeah I agree with Isaiah I'm taking the over on this one Uh, all the reasons you laid out are great but I think one just administrative thing is the COVID situation going on right now like so basically you if you fire him you have to find a coach from within right do like the you know whatever some random guy within the company otherwise I'm assuming the coach has to quarantine for two weeks or something like that and then come in so like there's some logistical situations there that would really make it difficult to fire a coach during the season which might be great for ryan saunders but again i think what's the point of finding somebody within if you're going to get rid of him and then promoting them do the associate head coach thing and then find your guy this offseason why not just let ryan saunders kind of ride out the season develop guys and just leave the team intact play it out see how it goes because You know, you never know. Maybe when they get everyone back, like Isaiah touched on, maybe the team starts to come around and you start to see some promise. And then you can give them a better chance going into next year. But I just think there's logistical things that kind of play into firing a coach mid-season this year, especially.
2: Well said. I am going to take the over as well on this. I think Glenn Taylor is a big believer and it's always darkest before the dawn. It's been a really, really really dark Dark, uh, night, dark, long night here for the wolves the last however many years. But, uh, the sun's coming up sometime it's going to happen. Let's ride it out.
1: The sun might've burned
2: out, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. It was a lunar eclipse and the
3: moon just stopped moving. It was just like, it was like, all right, I'll hang out here for 12 years.
0: (laughs) I'm taking the under because it's a pride thing. I get that he hasn't had good players or hasn't had all of his players around, um there have been plenty of you know excuses but when you look at the nba season this year the wolves are one of two teams to have blown more than two 10 point leads in the fourth quarter and the wolves have blown four them and the pelicans are the only teams with more than two 10 point leads that they let slip away into a loss this season so that to me i mean doesn't matter who you're playing with if you're up 10 through 3 quarters at some point in the fourth quarter that's just a coaching thing because the other coach is just out adjusting you and out managing you for the last 12 minutes of a game. That's that's not a player thing. That's all on the coach. So I, I think it's time to move on.
3: Aren't those the two youngest teams in the NBA? Is there anything to be said about that?
0: That's a good point. But I think you have Cat or D'Lo who are running the offense. You have Ricky Rubio. Those guys are not young and they're the ones that are handling the ball most of the time
3: if you're listening to Twitter, Ricky Rubio is the problem. So uh, everybody wants Ricky Rubio not to be playing down the stretch. So I, 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 get it that it's, it's been some abysmal losses, some truly painful losses, but I, I think it's, it's a overinflated view of how good this team is to be like, we should have a ton of wins. Like they're still not that great of a team. Like their roster's not great as it is right now. I think there's obviously some like great sparks and some, exciting things for the future, but they're still not, like, a comparable... Like, I think their record is give or take four games about what they would be, you know, with any other coach.
0: Yeah, I agree. But they've only had maybe... I I didn't actually look at this, but I'd guess they've had maybe 15 10-point leads in the fourth quarter all season. They've blown four of them. To me, that's just unacceptable, no matter who your players are.
2: Well, do you think... Like Connor said, do we have a guy in house that would be able to prevent that? If or who else would we have to to step up and make Agreed, that? Adjustment? I need I options. I need an I need a name. Give me a name. <laughs> Who's the next guy? At least give me give me some multiple <laughs> choice at the very least.
1: Well, if we're gonna go with the Twitter approach, uh I think Twitter is calling for John B Lime to be the new uh The
3: old
0: coach. Michigan coach?
1: Yeah.
3: Talk to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers and see how that worked out. That was a, tr- if that's who people want, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like you can't have Twitter running your team because that would be an awful, awful mess. Ma- like he did not do well. If you like listen to any interviews with Kevin Love, like that team literally hated him. He just like, it was that classic, like tried to t- treat professional athletes like they're 18 year old college freshmen and it just doesn't work.
0: A name that has been floated around internally is Pablo Prigioni. He was the Nets head or er, assistant head coach when D'Lo was an all-star when he was playing his best. Now he's an assistant coach with the Wolves, and a lot of people think he's going to be a head coach at some point in his career. He was a former NBA point guard, so pretty smart guy. I think he'd probably be the one if they did move away from Saunders and wanted to keep it internal. I think he'd slide over and take the head coaching spot.
3: I do like Pablo. I that was the one name that I was like, okay, I can maybe get down with Pablo. It'd be a bummer if you're Ryan Saunders. Like, what do you do then? Where do you go?
2: It'd be tough. Well, if uh, Rick Pitino, or excuse me, Richard Pitino, keeps himself on the hot seat, maybe he'll just go right back to the U.
0: Ooh, that would be interesting.
2: A little, ooh, a little swap? What about a little swimmity swap? <laughs> the a swimmity old sw-
0: swap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second over-under, sticking with the Wolves. The number of trades they make before the end of this season. The over-under is set at two and a half. Connor, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I am going to take the under in this. And I think the reason being, I just don't really see what kind of trade value we have on our team. Like, I think the younger guys who are, who are seeing development from like the nas Reeds of the world like i don't think we really want to move him and i don't think we're gonna want or get any real value or the value we assess at for d'angelo so i just i don't really know if there's many trades to be made now saying that last year i would have probably said oh there's not a lot we can do either but then we overhauled the entire roster so I just feel like Malik Beasley, he might be one piece that's actually valuable that we could move, but I don't, I don't really know how much we can get for him that would make it make sense. So I'm thinking maybe we make one or two trades, but I'm taking the under.
2: Lou, I'm I'm going to take the under as well. It's um, as, assuming they keep Saunders for the rest of this year. I think that this regime is just kind of going to try and figure it out with the pieces they have. Um, it doesn't sound like they're making a lot of trade noise just like connor said who would we even trade away if we there's really nobody that that we have value uh of value to trade so um i think they're going to try and stick it out and figure it out with the guys they have but i do think that is going to be an unsuccessful approach but as we've seen so if the wolves trade beasley i'll cry I'll just cry. I'll
1: just sit down and
3: cry. His contract's so nice for how good he is.
1: I think that's another point, too. It seems like a lot of the contracts are decent. So it's like not like we're trying to unload a lot, except for the big, you know, and D'Lo, but doesn't see them moving.
0: The Wolves got absolutely eviscerated when they signed Beasley. Like, the national media was like, this is such an overpayment, such a terrible contract, and now it's a steal. I mean, if you were a free agent today he'd be easily making another 5 to 10 million dollars a season.
3: I this is a tough one because uh Rosas is not afraid of a trade. He's not afraid to make moves. But if you look at like who are the four like biggest targeted people for like a possibility to trade, it's like Rubio probably if you think McLaughlin could be like a legitimate backup point guard which he's kind of showing he could be, but it'd be hard to trade right now when you're you'd be really thin in the depth chart at point guard. If you trade Rubio, he's also having his worst season ever. Um, so it's like, what are you going to get for him? It's, it's a little bit scary there. Like, are you going to throw Rubio away for, as Dalton would describe it a crapshoot in the second round? Wancho is another guy that they might move and he's very similar to Rubio in the sense that it's like, what do you, he hasn't played this year. He in the beginning of the year looked awful. Like he couldn't guard a, you know, a Roomba driving by him. Um, (laughs) So that was tough. And then he gets COVID, he misses a ton of times, and that's no knock on him. But it's like you haven't really seen him play. He doesn't really start. And then you look at like, okay, Akogi, Culver are the next two maybe guys that they would move, kind of like pick one, move one. And I don't see Culver being the guy because Rosas just – he was his pick. Like he traded up and picked him. I know he didn't want him, but he picked him. A kogi I don't know who wants a Kogi. Like he is, he can't shoot. He, we've seen it in the fourth quarters of Timberwolves games. Like he's an absolute liability to have on the court because people don't guard him at all. And he has no confidence right now. It's really actually painful to watch.
0: Um, Arguably the worst shooter in NBA history. If you want to read about that, check out an article on tellumsports.com. That's T E L O.
3: So, so you don't get anything maybe from either of those guys because Culver again, had a mediocre rookie year and is not really played at all this year. So it's again, what are you getting? Are you going to trade last year's first round pick for a second round pick? You know? Um, and then one other guy maybe would be Jake Lehman. I don't know where he fits in the roster. He hasn't been playing much. He's a guy that I like. I think he brings good energy. He's a consistent shooter. Um, but he, he's kind of been worked out of the roster or out of playing time, essentially. So it's like move him maybe is, is a move that might get you to two and a half. But I, it's a tough one, doll. This is a good, you said a good line here. Vegas said a good line. Oh yeah, Vegas, sorry. I'm going to go over, over. Just a Rosas is a wheeler and dealer. And I respect it. Yeah, I love it.
0: Agreed. I think I would take the over for the same reason you laid out a lot of the players that could potentially be moved. Ed Davis is another guy who could potentially Mm -hmm. be dealt if a team's looking for veteran depth at a big there. I don't think it's going to be any like big flashy names. Rubio would, if he turns it around, he could potentially be a big name that's dealt, but I'd take the over just because Rosas likes to wheel and deal.
3: I would also cry if we traded Rubio. That would be I mean, it's just like, I like the guy so much and remember all the hype when we, when we traded for him, remember how excited everybody was all those articles and like tweets, it overshadowed Edwards draft. Yeah, it was more, it was bigger than having the number one overall pick was the return of Ricky Rubio. Cause he's not like anybody else. Um, Ed Davis is another funny one. Remember how excited everybody was about Ed Davis. It was like, this is the piece that this team needs to be a playoff. And he doesn't even play. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, is, it would be sad if Ricky never got that target center homecoming with the crowd. I feel like now he'd probably get booed, but you know the first game of the season, people would have been rowdy for the return of Ricky.
3: I'll fly back to cheer for Ricky Rubio if, if we're allowed to get into the stadium again, and I will be hooting and hollering.
0: <laughs> All right, shifting our focus to the Twins now. So first up, Matt Shoemaker innings pitched on the season, 79 and a half. So we didn't talk about this. The Twins added another veteran starting pitcher in Matt Shoemaker this last week. The over-under is set at 79 and a half because Shoemaker has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career and has not reached the 80 inning mark since 2016. Faced a variety of injuries. But what do we think? Matt Shoemaker innings pitched on the season, 79 and a half. Lucas.
2: I'm going under he, you, you hit the nail on the head. He hasn't touched 80 in over four years. And I mean, even his last three seasons were 31, 28 and 28 innings. Um, Even in a shortened season, that's pretty, that's pretty tough to to see for a starting pitcher. Um, So I think with his, his history of injuries, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I do have one thing. I was looking at his list of injuries. He tore his ACL in a rundown. Like how to, come on. Dangerous that's like, just, we talked about it. in your damn driveway. Come on, man. You telling me you're the best athlete on the field and you can't even get in and out of a rundown. Something you play pickle in the backyard with your kid, your neighborhood <laughs> buddies, you play it every day.
1: I will say in come his on, defense, how often do pitchers practice rundowns? Not because often enough. From my experience, never. Like in college, never. So, and, and they probably should in the pros, you'd think, right? They got a lot of, their entire job is to play baseball, but I don't, I think that's more on the players. Why is a pitcher involved in a rundown, right? Aren't we trying to get out in one or two throws? So that's where you bring the team into the locker room and just look at them and say, Hey, that's on you guys. That's on you. <laughs> Couldn't
3: agree more as a former middle infielder. <laughs> um, there are two people on the field, but you played yeah. baseball, two people incredible athlete um two people you don't want on the in a rundown that are on the field one is the pitcher and two is the catcher get your yeah. like slow ass out of the baseline i don't need you anywhere near this like if i'm the guy in a rundown i'm like yeah give it to the catcher that dude ain't chasing me i could walk faster than yeah. him in those knee pads sorry
1: lou no no smoke there um they throw the ball to the catcher and you turn around as the runner and like who invited the knight in sharding armor here just clink, 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 clink. But I do I do
3: love seeing them in there because I love seeing them in there because those guys, they give 100% effort when they're in the rundowns. They're running so hard. They're huffing and puffing down the line. It's
1: incredible to watch. Nothing better than when a catcher is like, you know, trying to get the out and then they like dive in all the catchers gear and there is a 0% chance they ever get somebody out when they're diving. Never,
3: never. Uh, I will say in Schumacher's uh, defense, um, oh. I heard the dirt was particularly loose that day.
1: Uh, that was just my <laughs> report on the ground it was particularly so loose dirt. Ground crew. I am. I'm going to take the over. I'm, uh, I'm kind of optimistic about Shoemaker. I know he his last like legit season was like 2014. I think maybe 2016 is when he had like a decent amount of games. But uh, I just think. I think the twins do a really good job with handling pitchers. I think they they really treat them like professionals and kind of say, like, whatever you need to do to get your body right. And I think that could be a big thing for him this year with kind of an extended off season, as well as, like, not playing a lot last season. Like, he's had a lot of time to recover. So I'm hoping he comes back. And I will say all twins over-unders probably hinge on the fact that we have a full season because if we play, like, 120 games, I am smashing this under, obviously, but – if, uh, if it's on a 162-game season, I think he might get around 100 innings. But also, that would depend on Dalt's guy, Randy Dobnek, how well he's pitching in the five spot. Randy. They want to do six, six starters, but uh, old Randy Dobnek, he's uh, actually not old Randy Dobnek, young Randy Dobnek. He's, uh, he could be a big factor in how many innings Shoemaker gets, depending on how he plays.
0: Quick shout-out to Mr. Dobnek's senior, Rick Dobnek. Cost me a like on Twitter last week uh, when I was tweeting about Randy. So shout out to the Dobnick. Love to see sure their listening in Pennsylvania.
3: Yeah, that was Dobnik was the reason that I'm taking the under. I think that by the end of the season, he'll have uh, usurped Shoemaker in that uh, fifth starter role. I think, you um, no smoke to it. And I don't want any uh, shade towards Shoemaker. I was looking at him today. I think he's got an all time beard, an absolute all time beard. If you have not Googled him, Google him. Uh, And take a look at the rich color that's coming from that bushy beard. Brian
1: Wilson would be proud. proud.
3: very proud. I got to say, I'm really excited for him that he was able to sign a contract because the budget that he must spend on just for men hair dye jet black (laughs) is insane. Like I couldn't imagine doing that uh, as a retired man because that he must go through, you know, two packs a week of that stuff, keeping that beard that
1: dark. And it is glorious. Yeah, if he gets over 80 innings, we might start a GoFundMe for him just for uh, just for men products.
0: I think I'm going to take the over here. Um, he does have an injury history, but when you look at some of his injuries, they're pretty freak. Like Lou mentioned, the torn ACL in a rundown. He got hit in the head with a line drive. Like Those really aren't his fault. And then when you look at his career ERA... Um... <laughs> Connor just cracked up at that. <laughs> it's just like such a
1: funny scary image to like see somebody get hit in the head with a line drive and it really makes you question like why are why are they 60 feet away like should we back this up a little bit especially when people are throwing as hard as they are and like exit velocities are as high as they are like a pitcher wants to back up the mound this might be a
0: first ever
1: oh yeah i'm i'm not not for me not when i throw if we could go little league world series distance i might have got a few strikeouts back in the day but But it's just, like, it's so incredible to think how close they are, how little time they have to react. And, I mean, I think a lot of people who get hit with line drives end up being okay. But there's, like, that small chance that the lights go out and all of a sudden you're altered forever. But it's a pretty funny image when when all said and done everyone's okay watching a guy get drilled with line drive. (laughs) so dark. And I have multiple times, not in the head, but in various parts of my body, so. There was one game, story time, when my first, it was like one of my first college starts. The first time I faced this guy, he hit a bomb off me on like the first pitch. It was like the third hitter, first pitch to him. And the next time he comes up, hits a screaming line drive off my hip. And I was just like, I never want to pitch for that guy again. Ended up playing for the Saints, so he did okay for himself.
0: But anyway, I'd take the uh, the over on Shoemaker. He has a career ERA that's lower than... Barrios, Pineda, and J-Hap. So when he's out there, he's really good. Suck it. Finally, the final over-under of the day. The number of Twins pitchers who finish the season with 15 or more wins. Over-under set at one and a half. I'm going to kick this one off. I am taking the under. Something I learned in preparation for this podcast. Jose Barrios never won 15 games in his career. 14 twice, but never reached the 15 mark. I think that's largely due to his second half of the season slumps where he kind of blows up in July and August. So I think I'm going to take the under. They've got six legit starting pitchers this year, so I could see Rocco doing something funky, maybe a six-man rotation in the middle of summer where guys just won't get the the number of starts that they need. I'd go under.
2: I'm going to go with the over on this one. Um, I think they're kenta maeda michael pineda and burrios all have the potential to do it um and i think with the bringing Cruz back and having donaldson and and some of the big bats that will hopefully stay healthy through the year um the bama squad is just going to give the pitcher some help and they're going to get some more wins this year
1: yeah i'm going to take the over as well i uh I started thinking about this one. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to have probably three with Pineda, kind of like what Lou was saying. And then I was looking at, like, the 2019 season, and I think there was only, like, 20 pitchers in the majors that had 15 wins or above. So I was like, well, maybe not. I don't think we're going to have three of, like, if it stays consistent with that, obviously, like three of the 20. So I was like, I, I do think Barrios is going to just keep developing. I think he's going to have a pretty good year this year. Um, I think in earlier in the year, I put him in as a potential Cy Young candidate, which was bold, but, uh, you never know. We'll see. And I think my, Ma- if, if he has a, anything near last season, I mean, he's going to be, he's going to be cruising along. He might even get up towards 20 wins. So, but I do think the potential of six starters could be a real hindrance on this one. Um, I hope they don't do that for the sake of me taking the over here.
3: This is also another tricky one. Um, I think Berrios is, again, shouts to Vegas. Wow. Uh, It's like that's their job. Um, I think Berrios is going to benefit from a short season last year and like just being able to be hopefully fresher through the All Star break because he's, we know he's dominant in the early parts of seasons and he always has this like sort of slide halfway through the year. So maybe it's like this, like he's got a little extra in the tank this year because last year was kind of a short season Um, and that might get him over that precipice to 15. Uh, also I, th- I like that Maeda, I don't know if I know last year he kind of like shifted the way that he like his pitching style. Uh, and now I think maybe hitters are going to be a little bit more ready for it. I don't know if that's going to be a kind of an offset. like will he be as dominant as he was last year it, that's really the guy. It's like is Maeda's gonna get to 15? Um, and I, I like Connor's stat about there not being that many pitchers that get over 15. Uh, wins in the major leagues in general. So, for that, taking the under.
0: Well, that does it for today. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Telem Sports. We're going to be posting this week's over unders as Twitter polls, so make sure to vote in those polls, and check out our content at TelemSports.com. And be sure to leave a review on the pod. Let us know how we're doing. So we will see you next week. This was the main market podcast presented by tell em sports. Bye. Peace.
3: I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.